All right, so, uh, so today we're going to be in, uh, in Genesis 32 and uh, dealing with uh, Jacob wrestling with God. And a couple things uh, before we start. So my name is Johnny Levy. I'm one of the teaching elders here, and I will be preaching out of the ESV. So a couple things before we start. You know, I always like to give you a little bit of a roadmap of where I'm going. The first thing is that we know God as creator, and many of us know him as father, but do we also know him as master, right? So that will be, that will be a question that, that we will try to answer as we go through this, uh, this text. Secondly, in our moments of desolation, right, in our moments of desolation, will we cling to God or will we clear out? All right, so that's uh, some, another another personal question that we can be asking. And then the last is, are we holding on to God, or is God holding on to us? Anybody care to have? No, you don't have to answer that. But, uh, but, but deep, you know, some deep things that we're going to get into today. Uh, umbrella scripture, I usually like to start with a scripture that brings some context. And so that scripture is Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 through 22. That's Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 through 22. For thus said the Lord God, uh, actually, let me give you some background. So this is Israel, and God is actually chastising Israel because they're going off to Egypt to try to get their help, right? They're, they're going to the world. They're going, they're going to places other than him to try to find help and to try to find purpose and to try to find what they need. And so this is, this is God's response. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. So what was the problem? What was the problem with Israel? There was a problem with the will, right? God has a desire, and he's given them, he's given them instruction, and, and yet they're, they're not willing. There's a will problem, right? But see, see, the Lord knows how to deal with a will problem, doesn't he? <laughs> and so, and you said, no, we will flee upon horses, Therefore, you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee, till you are like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Now get this. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice Blessed are all those who wait for him. So what's God going to do? While they're out riding their horses to Egypt to go and try to get help from somewhere else, well, the Lord's going to wait, right? Because he will exalt himself to be the one to do good to them when they're ready to come to him. Does the Lord use waiting in your life? Does the Lord make us wait? And then, and then uh, a little more. I'm actually, actually going to skip. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. Right? So, so how's God teaching them? Through what? The bread of affliction. Right? But he's teaching them. 
So we're going to go ahead and, 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 then, and then one more thing before we start with the text. All right, so I'm going to let that kind of sit as the background, right? The Lord will wait. He waits. He uses the bread of affliction. And then I'm going to do a quick contrast between Abraham and Jacob, right? So Abraham, you know, God said, Abraham, jump. And what did Abraham say? How high? <laughs> God says, leave your land and go somewhere else. I'm even going to tell you where. Abraham's like, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> God says, oh, and you know that son I gave you, I want you to sacrifice him to me. What does Abraham say? Sir, yes, sir. Up in the morning and gone right? Like that's the kind of man that Abraham was. Now, Jacob has a, has a bit of a different spirit, <laughs> okay? So if you remember Genesis 28, through 20, uh, 28, 20 through 21, you know, he sees this vision. I got to preach that. He sees this vision of, the, of Jacob's ladder, and, uh, and, and it's awesome to him, and it's amazing, but this is one of the things he says. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat, and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. <laughs> right? What do you hear in that? He's negotiating. He's a, he's a humanist, right? He's like, if you do for me, then I'll do for you, right? Quid pro quo, exactly. And, 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 and I want you to see, that's us though, right? Isn't that how we talk to God? Like, God if you do these things, you'll be my God. As long as you don't do these things, you can be my God. Anybody ever think like that? Of course not. And so let's not, let's not put Jacob in another camp, right? Because Jacob's just doing what we do. And so getting on to, uh, to chapter 32, verse 1. Jacob sees angels, right? So we got, uh, uh, Brian preached this, this you know, kind of crazy family drama that happened last week and then the blowout with Laban. And now after that, he's on his way home. And Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Okay, so, so Jacob sees these angels. What, what, do we, what, what is there to do with that? Like, what do we make of that? Something's happening right? Like God's camped out. And not only is God camped out, but he's allowed Jacob's eyes to see, right? So he, he wants Jacob to know that he's around, right? I'm here and I'm going to let you see me. Next on uh, verse three, and Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, right? So the, 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 the person he's most afraid of in the world is the person he's about to go and confront in the country of Edom, instructing them, thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, I want you to listen, listen to his, to his diction. Thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants and female servants. I've sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. All right, so do you hear the, do you hear the flattery, Right? I'm your servant. You're my Lord, right? I've been here. I'm coming back. I have all this stuff. So, his, so, so the first thing he's doing, which is classic Jacob, is diplomacy, right? He's using diplomacy. Maybe if I prostrate myself, maybe if I let him know that I've got all this stuff that could benefit him, right? Because we know Esau has the appetite for stuff. Maybe he won't kill me, right? So his first attempt is diplomacy. And we're going to see, he's, he's going he's to just be classic Jacob throughout this chapter, okay? 
So he tries diplomacy. And the messengers return to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you and there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Of course he was. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. All right, so there is nothing else for Jake, Jacob to be thinking, right? Like, like I, I go and tell my brother I'm coming and he's on his way with 400 men. There's no other way to interpret that. He's coming to take care of me. <laughs> he's coming to kill me and probably my family. And he knows he deserves it because, and he knows that that's what the man was planning. So there's no other way to interpret that. And that's why he falls into complete and total fear and terror. And the next thing he tries is strategy. And the strategy he's trying is to, is to mitigate the damage, right? Because at this point, 400, 400 men are coming. He, he doesn't even entertain like, well, let's just get swords and fight him. He knows he's done, right? He knows that. He knows Esau. He knows he's no match for Esau. He knows he's no match for 400 men, and he knows that this is, it, this is it for him. So at the very least, maybe I can mitigate the damage. Maybe I can split in half, and, the, and, and one, one half gets destroyed, and the other half makes it. Maybe I'll be able to save some of us, right? He's grasping. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to mess with Esau. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, the dude's hairy. Like, he's <laughs> All right. And, and the messengers return to Jacob saying, Oh, no, no, I just read that. Okay, Jacob cries out. And Jacob said, oh, God. So, right, right. First step, diplomacy. Second step, mitigation. Third step, cries out to God. And Jacob said, oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, oh, Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now, let me tell you something. That's a different tune than he was singing before. Is it not? Just contrast, right? Has the brother learned something in 20 years? I would say so. Has the brother been softened? Has he learned something about who God is and that God's not just the dude on the other side of the table that you negotiate with, right? He humbles himself. He says, God, I don't deserve anything from you. And he reminds God of his promises, right? This is a beautiful prayer, and it shows a lot about what God can do in the heart of a person, even a hard person like Jacob in 20 years, right? God uses 20 years. God uses Laban. God uses getting swindled. God uses all this family drama that he goes through, and all of it, right, is, 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 is part of developing Jacob into a person that can pray this prayer. And it's beautiful. Now, now still, keep in mind, it's, it, it's where he goes. It's third place, <laughs> Right? It's third place. It's the, it's the third place he goes. But hey, can you give the man some credit for learning? Amen. All right, so next. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys, these he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, 
Pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who follow the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought... I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterward I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. All right, so attempt one, diplomacy. Attempt two, mitigation. Attempt three, prayer. And attempt four, wealth, bribery, (laughs) right? You know, he's pulling out all the stops, y'all, is he not? Like we're seeing Jacob be Jacob. Jacob is a man who gets things done. Right? Jacob is a man of incredible personal resource and intelligence and means. And he's using all of these things to try to get what he wants, which is survival. And I'm not even criticizing him for doing all these things because who wouldn't do all these things? But there's something that we're seeing about his heart, right? There's something that we're seeing about where he puts his trust. God is one of the places where he puts his trust. Does that make sense? He also puts it here and here and here. But do you think God's going to deal with that? Is God so merciful? He's merciful. He does deal with that, and he will deal with that. This is called Jacob stashes the family. So... (laughs) So the same night, he rose and took his two wives and two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, right? What's he doing now? He's stashing his family, right? He's fording, he's fording a river at night, right? Which means you're crossing it on foot. You're finding a shallow spot crossing on foot. But ford, it's dangerous to ford a river at night, right? So obviously the man's desperate. And he's putting a river now between his family and these soldiers who are coming, right? So that's his final, right? His, his, his final attempt is, I will be on this side of the river when they come. You will be on that side of the river when they come. So I will have my body between you. I will have my body between the people that I love and this person that's coming to kill me. Last attempt. Not, not much more you can do, right? Not much more you can do. And it's at this moment that something happens that you would not expect. And Jacob was left alone. I want you to smell that. I want you to feel that for a second, right? He's in the worst terror of his life. Everything that he loves is in danger. Very real danger, not like theoretical danger, like the dude said he was going to kill him, (laughs) okay? And now he's alone by himself, no one else around in the dark, And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. What? (laughs) That's how God chooses to handle the situation, right? That's what God chooses to do is just not even a word. Like, we're just wrestling. (laughs) Like, yeah, oh, there's a guy hurting over there. Let's get it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know, And, and not just like casual wrestling, like, all night long. Who here has ever wrestled for 30 minutes? Who here has ever wrestled for an hour? Okay, no hands. This brother wrestled all night. Okay, 
Now, how tired do you think that would make you to wrestle all night? And we're talking about on the ground, rolling around WWE style, right? All right. Uh, what? And he's 97 years old, but still got that vitality to be able to wrestle all night. Like the dude was strong. I mean, Jacob, you wouldn't mess with Jacob. You wouldn't mess with Jacob, dude. He would slap you around. I'm telling you. All right. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There's so much here. This is the crux of what I have to say today. There is so much here in this passage. There's so much that happened to get this to even be able to happen. Now, Jacob's wrestling, and we know this man is God, okay? That's who he's wrestling is God. And so it might seem a little confusing, and it was confusing to me at first. What do you mean, Jacob? What do you mean that God comes wrestling this dude, and they're like evenly matched, right? That's weird. That's strange for us to think about. But actually, it makes total sense, and we'll get into kind of why that makes sense. But, but anyway, they're wrestling. They're evenly matched, right? This thing's, they're, they're rolling around, grunting, sweaty in the sand. And then all of a sudden, you know, pow! He just touches him on the hip. Like, you, you thought we were evenly matched, except I can do things like this. Touch your hip, and it's gone, right? Bam! So, so first of all, imagine the pain, Right? Hip just taken out. You're wrestling, you're exerting yourself all night long, exhausted, bam, no hip, <laughs> right? The man's got to be in excruciating pain. He laid the smack down on him, for real. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then what happens is he holds on. He holds on. And he says, let me go. You know, and I, just, I picture him like, I don't know, but I picture him like holding on to his leg, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like... Let me go. Let me go. The day's breaking. And, uh, and, and what does Jacob say? I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, I'm telling you right now, this dude wasn't coming from a place of strength. This dude wasn't coming from a place of, like, I just beat God. You think that's what God was trying to teach him? Let's, let's look a little deeper. Hosea chapter 12, verses 2 through 6, right? This is another place in Scripture where it's mentioned. It says, the Lord and and, and the Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. This is way later. He's talking about Judah more, or talking about Jacob more as a nation now. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb of, in the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood he strove with God. Right, describing Jacob. In his manhood he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. Okay, do you hear? We're talking about a man who's broken, right? We're talking about a man who's holding God's leg and weeping and begging God, right? What did it take to get him here? What did it take to get Jacob to the place where he could be weeping before God, broken and saying, I don't know, all I know is I'm going to hold on to you until you bless me because I don't have anything else because everything got taken from him. Y'all remember the last thing was his body? His body, like at least, man, I can take some of these dudes out if they come from my family. Well, now the brother doesn't have a hip. What, is, what, it, what does he have that hasn't been taken from him? What does he have that hasn't been shown to be ineffective to do what he needs done? 
right? He only has God left. This is a broken man. This is a conquered man. And that's showing you the love of God, that he loved Jacob so much that he shows Jacob the vision. Jacob sees the vision, and he says, you know, you do all these cool things for me, and I'll I'll make you my God. And God says, no, I'm going to let you go and serve with Laban for 20 years. And I'm going to go soften your heart up, and I'm going to bring you back here, and I'm going to have you on your knees begging me to bless you because that's what you need is me. And you think that you can go out here and do it yourself, and I'm going to show you decisively that you can't. He conquers him. Now watch the language here. And, he, and the angel, or God, said to him, what is your name? Okay, does he know Jacob's name or not? <laughs> Why is he asking Jacob his name? What does Jacob mean? Trickster, heel catcher, deceiver, right? What's your name, son? Oh, my name's Deceiver, right? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Okay, Jacob prevailed. So what, therefore, is God's definition of prevailing? (laughs) You see what I'm saying here? Like Jacob prevailed. How did he prevail? He prevailed by getting conquered. Do you understand? He prevailed by acknowledging that God was the only source of blessing that he needed and that nothing else would do and that he was going to cling to this God for his life because this God had everything that he needed. That was prevailing. See, and God, and God looks at this man who's grabbing onto him and weeping and, and saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And God's saying, now you're ready right? That's what I was looking for. That's the thing that took decades upon decades to build inside of you, to be able to say these things and to be able to have this posture. You have striven with God and with men and you have prevailed. And so God gives him a new name. And that new name is also interesting because it means struggle with God or strive with God. Now, there's some things we can pull out of that. One of the things we can pull out of that is, you know, God is okay with you wrestling with him. Anybody here wrestling with God? Anybody here ever wrestled with God? Anybody here think you ever will wrestle with God, right? God's okay. there's There's something glorious in the fact that God is defining this He's defining this process that Jacob's been in with him, and he's giving this to him as his name, right? He's saying something about the kind of God that he is. He's not a God that's timid. He's not a God that's afraid. He's a God that will come and put his hands on you, yes? And you need him to. You need him to. He is a God who is able to conquer you. Isn't that good news? You know how hard-headed you are? Good thing you got a God who's stronger than you are. Is he able to break you and to make you humble? Yes, he is. So where else do we see this theme, right? There's this theme here. And the theme is to prevail with God, 
you must be conquered by God. There's this moment, and it's interesting because there's this moment where Jacob seems to prevail over God. Like he seems to be prevailing, right? Like he seems to be winning. And can it be like that in our lives where we go our own way and we seem to be winning, right? Like it seems to be getting us what we want. It seems to be working, so to speak. But then what does God do? Does he touch it? And do we hate it when he does that? But does he need to do it? It's because he's loving that he does such things, right? It's because he's loving that he reduces us, allows us to be reduced. So 2 Corinthians 12, 7. So just a couple places in Scripture I'm going to show. I'm going to, I'm going to try to show how consistent the Lord is about this kind of conundrum that he introduces here, this conundrum of, you know, striving with him and then losing is, is, is winning, right? Losing is winning, um, you know, um, being humbled is being exalted, right? Like, like, like having the kingdom of heaven is being made poor in spirit, right? Like these opposite things, right? It's constantly happening. I'll give you uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. This happens throughout Scripture. This is Paul speaking. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, okay? So Paul's wrestling, right? There's something in his life that he doesn't like. There's something in his life that's painful and horrible, and, and, it, and it doesn't seem like it should be there. And he goes to God three times, and he pleads with God, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. He's wrestling, amen? amen. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Well, what does that mean, right? Like God's saying, my power is being made perfect in weakness, right? It's the same pattern. you got to lose to win. you got to be weak to be strong, right? Like God wants to be it all for you. And so Paul's response here, by the power of the Spirit, is therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Right? So we see that, we see the pattern here. And I'll get into that even a little bit more as we go on. But it's, it's just throughout Scripture, right? This idea that in order to, in order to, to reach your inheritance, in order to Get all, gain all the things that you know that you need. There's this idea of having to lose yourself. There's this idea of having to be conquered by God. There's this idea of having to be broken and having to be brought to a place of weakness. And that's not something that happens overnight, right? Can you buy testify to that? It doesn't happen overnight. And, and, I, and I'll give you some hope here. You can't really do it, Right? Like, you can't really do it. Who can just kind of get, who here has the power to just make their heart transform into a new shape? And so I'll throw this in for free. You know, we, we, want, we want God to speak to us. We want to hear from God. But let me tell you something. God's always talking to you, right? He's always talking to you. Your life 
is God's providence. Your life as it is, is God's providence. The thing that you wish would leave, the thing that you, you would do anything to get it out of your life and to get it behind you, whatever, these things are God's providence and his timing for your good and for his glory. And I know, man, it's hard to hear that. It's hard to hear that. But we serve a God who's so big that, it, that the Scripture tells me that he'll work all things together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Like he's so big that the thing that the devil meant to destroy you is the thing that he will use to make you his own even more, right? The thing, the thing that, you, that, that, that you can't see any use for, God will use because God is that big. See, we forget, we don't understand how big he is, right? But he'll show us. Because this is the God who was able to conquer Jacob, and Jacob was a lot tougher than you. Not as hairy. Yes, you're not as hairy as Jacob. But no, that's Esau, man. What are you talking about? All right, anyway. Then, then Jacob asked him. Then ja- this is, I love this part. This is a mic drop moment. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he says, so he's, he's talking to the same God, right? Please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? <laughs> and there he blessed him. Okay? So, so in other words, you know, who are you? Who are you? Oh, you know who I am, Jacob. Right? Don't you know by now who I am? You just asked me to bless you. Why are you asking me my name? Right? You want me to just confirm I'm not some other God out there? <laughs> right? You know, it's, it's me, and it's always been me, and it will always be me. I don't need to tell you. You should know. <laughs> In fact, you do know, and he does know, and I'll show you that he does know. And it says, so Jacob, right, there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered, right? He's asking his name, but who did he just say it was? God, right? He calls the name of the place Peniel, which means I have seen God face to face. Actually, Peniel means facing God. Peniel means facing God. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. This man would now have a limp for the rest of his life, right? He's scarred. He's marked. He's marked by this moment for the rest of his life. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. And that's the end. And so what we see here now is the pinnacle, right? Like the, 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 the pinnacle of, of Jacob's process and Jacob's wrestling with God and Jacob coming to the realization that the thing that he needs more than anything is God himself and Jacob then holding on with all of his might, right, to that one thing needful, that one thing necessary. And God is pleased. God is pleased to reduce him to the place where he can see clearly what he actually needs. Amen? All right, so... I'm going to speak to us a little bit where we're at. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but this has been an incredibly painful and difficult season for me. And... There's been, there's been a good bit of wrestling for me in it. Anybody else in a season of wrestling? You, you don't have to raise your hand. You just nod at me. Anybody else here in a season of wrestling? 
Anybody else asking questions, uh, asking questions, right? Like there are questions that we ask. Um, you know, if God loved me, how could he allow these things to happen? Because I wouldn't allow these kinds of things to happen to my children if I loved them, right? Anybody ever thought that? If God loved me, he would do X. If God loved me, he wouldn't have done Y. Those are questions we ask. Why is this happening? Why is this not happening? And we even sometimes get to the place, can I even believe in this God anymore? Right? Like, and, I, and I'm not saying out there, I'm saying in this room we get there. Right? In this room, we're hurting that bad sometimes. You know, there are people, there could be people in this room who have been wrestling with God for years. You know, still in that place of wrestling, still in that place of, you know, I don't understand, still in that place of hurting. And I'm here to tell you, I don't have the answer to your question, right? Like your question might be, why? And I don't actually have the answer to your question, right? It's not actually a human answer to give you, right? Like when we have those heart questions, you know what I'm talking about? Like those deep questions. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, when I was in college, I, I thought, I mean, I was about to walk away because my, my question was, you know, why, why would God send good people to hell just because they're not a Christian, Right? Like that was my question because I knew people that were better people than me. And I'm like, oh, you're gonna, they're going to go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus? And I'm like, and, and I wrestled, like I wrestled and I convulsed with that question. And nobody could answer that question for me. And, and I probably got some good answers, but I literally don't remember a single word of anybody's answer to that question. And I went to my Bible study one night. And I, and I just basically unleashed. I unloaded the question out on the, on the group. And then I just proceeded to fight all of them, right? Like I fought everybody in my Bible study. And I'm telling you to this day, it's like I blacked out. I don't remember a single thing anybody said to me. And God had to come and answer that question for me. God had to come and put his hands on me in order for me to be able to get past that because I'm telling you, I didn't see how I was going to remain a Christian. That's the closest I ever came from walking away from the faith or to walking away from the faith. And what I needed was I needed an answer from God. I needed God to put his hands on me. I needed God to wrestle me, and I needed to wrestle God, and I did. And by the grace of God, he brought me through, but it wasn't with some pat intellectual hallmark answer. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get like a two-sentence answer from him. What I got was, you can either trust me or not. I'm either good or I'm not. Where are you going to land? And it gets that simple in these moments, right? It's, it, it, it truly is. Like, we're, we're going through a process. It's a painful process. God, God, God will touch the things we told him never to touch. Sometimes he'll take the things we said never to take. Sometimes he'll withhold the things that we think we need. But he's bringing us, but where he's funneling us to is this place of simplicity where it's like, if I'm Jacob, I'm either, I'm either going to wrestle God and grasp him even though my, my, my hip is now gone and I'm in utter agony and I'm holding on for my dear life, like I'm either going to hold on, man, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to roll away. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be out. I'm going to walk away, and many have. 
And yet even there, there's hope. Because God is strong. So worship team, come on up. I'm going to walk you all through John chapter 6. Where there's this moment. When the disciples are with Jesus, Jesus is preaching to the masses. The, the masses are coming and they're saying, Jesus, you know, they like him. They like Jesus because he fed them with the loaves. He fed them with the fishes. They like him. And they come to Jesus and they say, hey, do it again, Rabbi. Do it again, Rabbi. And Jesus says, no, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to eat my flesh and you need to drink my blood is what you need to do. And he just, he just throws the hip out. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Like anybody that wanted to follow him, it's like, it's like, how do I follow this dude when he's telling me I need to physically become a cannibal, right? Like how? How does anybody follow him when, when the pastor gets up and says, hey, you, I'm, I'm rolling up my sleeve. I need you to take a bite out of me right now. You see what I'm saying? How do you follow that man? He's loco. And... And he, and he doubles down on it. Like, they're so upset. And they start to grumble and complain and to contradict him. And Jesus just doubles down. He said, no, 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 let me, let me be clear. I mean, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Right? No, I didn't stutter. That's what you need to do. And then everybody just leaves. Right? See, the wrestling moment. It's that moment, right? It's that moment when it's like, God's not going to make it easy for you to follow him, and he's not going to make it make sense for you. And then he's left with just the disciples, just the 12 disciples. And he says, do you want to go away as well? Now, just picture this, right? He's looking at them. Do you want to go away as well? And what are these men thinking who have left their wives and their families to follow him, who have given up everything to follow him? And Jesus turning and saying, well, do you want to go too? You can go too. Right? And then the miracle happens. Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have learned and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I am convinced that these men did not have answers to cannibalism, right? I'm convinced they did not have the intellectual rationale for why they should follow a man who just preached cannibalism. But somehow they stayed. How did they stay? I'm going to tell you in a minute, right? We're going to worship. We're going to worship, and then we're going to talk about how do we stay who is holding who? We pray. Uh, Lord God, I thank you so much for these people. I thank you for these beautiful faces. I thank you for your spirit that is active in this room, Lord God. I thank you for the power that you have to, to draw us and to keep us and to set us free from bondage, Lord God, and to give us new attitudes and new perspectives. And I just pray, Lord, that as we, as we sit here today, your word says, today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. I pray, Lord God, that there would not be a hard heart in this room, but that every heart would be open and saying, 
Abba, Father, and crying out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So some of you might have the question. You might say to yourself or you might say to me, oh, I'm not like Jacob, right? A man of resources, a man uh, who, was, who was so strong and had such an incredibly strong will, who was able to hold on to God through the pain of having his hip thrown out. You might say, well, that doesn't define me, right? I'm not like Jacob. What is there for me? What if I feel like I can't hold on? What if I feel like that's completely beyond me? And I want to just point here, like the crux of the story is Jacob holding on to God, but let's, 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 just, let's just zoom out and let's ask the question, who was really holding who, right? Who was really holding who? Who was the one that gave the promise that said, you're mine, you're mine, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to multiply you, was it, was it really Jacob's strength and his tenacity? Is that the lesson of the story? Is, is, is that you got to be tenacious like Jacob? There, that is part of it. That is part of it, right? Like part of what God is teaching us is he's teaching us that he is all in all. He's teaching us that no matter what is going on around us, what we need is him and that we must with all of our effort and all of our might hold on to him and that, 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 that through faith that is pleasing to him. That is part of the lesson. For sure that's part of the lesson. But there's another part of the lesson. Do you think that Jacob could have plucked himself out of God's hands? Do you think that Jacob could have made God into a liar for calling him set apart and calling him blessed and calling him his own? Was it even in Jacob's power to make God a liar once the covenant was in place? Amen? We serve a covenant God. So yes, I want you to leave here with a renewed zeal to hold on to God with all your might and to know that it's not the circumstance in front of you that you're dealing with. That's just the secretary. You need to go to the CEO. That's God, right? The CEO of the universe. You're not in the hands of your finances. You're not in the hands of your health issue. You're not in the hands of your family issue. You're not in the hands of the government. You're not in the hands of the economy. You're not in the hands of the state of the world today. See, that's what Jacob learned because God came and put his hands on him. And then Jacob put his hands on God. And that is what this is about, right? That's what this is about. And so, yes, man, I want you to be fired up to hold on to him. I want you to be fired up to press into him. I want you to know it's not wasted to press into your God and that it pleases him for you to press into him. Even when it's like, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried, and you will try again. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I tried and failed a hundred times. God's, God is saying, come to me. Keep coming to me. I'm what you need. But then even for the person who's sitting here as I'm preaching and saying, well, I can't. And I've got hope for you too. I've got hope for you in that place, that it is, it is him that is holding on to you right? And that you are not strong enough to break his covenant. Amen? We have great hope and expectation in such things. And who other, what other God is like this? And so, yes, let's continue on in worship. Let us worship him with all of our hearts for who he is. And let us not just call him our creator. Let us not just call him our father. Let us call him our master. And let us let him master us, right? God, give us grace 
to, to whatever degree we can to be able to cooperate with your hands, your hands on us, your wrestling with us, right? To cooperate with that. And if you don't know Jesus, man, he could be contending with you right now. He could have his hands on you right now, and he probably does. If you don't know Jesus, man, I invite you to be conquered. I invite you to enter into the covenant relationship with the God of the universe. And let me tell you something. He's not safe, and it's not going to be fun. But it will be life. It will be the answer to your heart's desire and one day eternal life with the God who loves you and who created you to, to live in his arms. And for those of you who are, who, 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 this, 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 this message brings sin to mind. It brings failings to mind. It brings the areas where you haven't lived up to what you should have done. Then I call you to repent because that's God's answer. God's answer isn't shame. God's answer isn't just sitting here thinking that you're separated from him and you can never come back into the family. God's answer is to say, my God, I've sinned against you. And he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Did you see what he said? He said, just. He's just to forgive you your sins, which means if he wouldn't forgive you your sins when you ask for forgiveness, he would be unjust. Do you hear what I just said? He's just to forgive you your sins because he promised that he would. Is there any sin that you've done that you can't bring to him? Bring your sins to him. Confess your sins and repent. And a call to giving, a call to give to the king, a call to give to your master for the work that he has. Not out of compulsion, but out of willingness. And I want to call you to remember, I want to call you to remember that Jesus, Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, right? Like you remember in, in this passage, God takes on flesh and he puts his hands on Jacob. And there was another time when God took on flesh and contended with Israel, did he not? And they seemed to prevail over him when they put him on that cross. But who really prevailed? Jesus prevailed. And so take the bread, take the cup, and remember, remember the one who gave it all so that we could, become, we could be brought into the family. And finally, he called a prayer. You know, do not waste the opportunity to come to the body of Christ and the believers and the people that love you and the people that love Jesus and to acknowledge that God is sovereign and to acknowledge that his power is king by asking for prayer, right? Like saying, okay, I've spent enough time with the secretary. I'm going to the CEO. I'm going to talk to God. I love you and I pray for bondage to be broken today. I pray for childlike faith to be poured out upon us, Lord. I pray that if there's any here that have an attitude of, if God does this, if God does that, if he, as long as he doesn't do this, as long as he doesn't do that, then he'll be my God. I pray obliterate that today. You know, we're not shopping. God isn't one you shop for. God is the one that you get on your face and say, my God, my God, Abba, Father, whatever you say is what goes. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's continue to worship.